The left-wing grandson of the 84-year-old shooter of Ralph Yarl calls his grandfather a vicious racist. Elon Musk's latest launch succeeds and then explodes. And the Democrats vote unanimously to ensure men can compete against women in women's sports. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, folks, the media has been watching, drooling over this horrible case in which an 84-year-old white man shot a black teen through his front door. All the circumstances of that case have really yet to enter the public view. All we've been told at this point is that Ralph Yarl, the 16-year-old black kid, did not actually enter the home. Presumably, the defense is going to present some sort of contrary viewpoint, since I assume that this guy isn't going to plead guilty to what would presumably be manslaughter or murder or attempted murder, attempted manslaughter. Uh, There is a story that I think is sort of fascinating because it, it grants a window into the generation gap that has now emerged in the West. It is a story about the grandson of the 84-year-old shooter, a person named Andrew Lester. This person, the grandson, is ripping on his grandfather and calling him a racist. And the way that he's calling him a racist, presumably the media are very into this, of course, because the suggestion from the media is that this 84-year-old white man shot the black kid because he was a vicious racist and he was a vicious racist, maybe because he was a conservative who watched Fox News. That is the narrative the media are looking to run with. That's the reason why Ralph Yarl is going to go to the White House. That is the entire narrative that the media wishes to pursue. Well, the grandson of this, of this shooter is a person named Clint Ludwig. And um, Clint, again, the grandson, is obviously a left-wing social justice warrior activist. So he's on CNN to rip his grandfather for being a racist. And his evidence that his grandfather is a racist is pretty scanty. Do you believe your grandfather is racist? Uh, I believe he holds holds racist tendencies and beliefs. Why do you say that? Uh, He's just a stock... American Christian male. It's uh, older, you know, that's just how they are. It's uh, the conspiracies and weird, random racist things they say, and it doesn't make sense, but they're just scared. He's a stock American Christian male who's scared of change around him. Now, the grandson went on to say, in the last five or six years or so, I feel like we've lost touch. This is after he said that he used to be very close with his grandfather. I've gotten older and gained my own political views, says the grandson, and he's become staunchly right-wing, further down the right-wing rabbit hole as far as doing the elections and I conspiracy stuff and COVID conspiracies and disinformation, fully buying into the Fox News OAN kind of line. I feel like it's really further radicalized him in a lot of ways. And then he suggested that his grandfather had been immersed in a 24 hours news cycle of fear and paranoia. When I heard what happened, I was appalled and shocked that it transpired, but I didn't disbelieve that it was true. The second I heard it, I was like, yeah, I could see him doing that. Again, he says, it's stock Fox News conservative American stuff. It's anybody who gets an abortion is a murderer. And fatherless black families are the reason why crime exists in this country. It's stuff everybody's heard at Thanksgiving table every year. This is what he told the Kansas City Star. He said, I hesitate he got more extreme because all this stuff has been extreme. And it's been the same story for decades and decades and generation to generation of people believing the same things. It's just nowadays people are acting on it a little bit more. Now, the grandfather is a former military veteran. And apparently he would come to his school for grandpa lunches and he would spend time in the summer with his grandson and all the rest of this. The the thing is that Clint has an older brother. Clint Ludwig is the one that you're watching on CNN right there. His older brother is a guy named Daniel Ludwig, his older brother. And he says, quote, it's just sad. I wish it didn't happen. It seems like a bunch of mistakes in a row that resulted in a tragedy. I mean, a lot of mistakes all the way around, unfortunately. 
he said that he's going to wait for all the actions to take to 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 come out. But he said that he didn't think that race played a role in the shooting. A nephew of Lester's said that his uncle was a decent man. This would be Dean Smith of Jewel Ridge, Virginia. I really didn't know what to think when I heard about this. It kind of shocked me. You don't expect something like that. Now, the, the reason that I'm pointing out what the grandson said here is because it does reveal a massive shift in how generations think about one another in the United States. Now, I don't know all the facts about Andrew Lester. You don't know all the facts about Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old man. We don't know his motives. We don't know all the facts of the case. I assume all of that will come out. And if what we know so far ends up being the whole story, namely a black kid knocked on a door and Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old, just blasted a gun through the door, he will go to jail for the rest of his life. And we will find out, presumably, whether he had racist motives. We'll, we'll, all of that will come out in due course. The point that I'm making is that the grandson is not actually saying that he's privy to special information on his grandfather and race. He is just saying that his grandfather must be a racist because he is a, a white American conservative who's in his 80s. And this is, unfortunately, the way that younger generations now view their elders. Well, what Andrew Lester did doesn't deserve any respect. But when younger generations view their elders just by, just by the mere dint of the fact that they disagree politically and happen to be older as racist, bigots, terrible people, this is a culture that has decided that the young will lead it. Cultures that decide that the young will lead them are typically cultures that fall apart very, very quickly. And even cultures like ours, in which very old people are leading us, right? You look at the, the old political class. That old political class is only leading because they suggest that they are going to mirror the desires of the young. People like Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not doing this because he represents some sort of storied wisdom that some data of the past that's been brought forward to today. And that he's an old, older man who's presenting the truths of the past to, to new generations, which is typically how wisdom actually gets passed down. No, he's an old man doing the work of the 10-year-old. He's an old man doing the work of the 13-year-old. This intergenerational conflict means that the civilization is in serious trouble because the way that a functional civilization works is that young people get older, they learn things, they have kids, they become grandparents, and then their job in society is to pass down age-old wisdom. Well, when we don't respect our elders, I mean, this is a, a traditional thing in most cultures to respect your elders. It doesn't mean you take everything they say at face value. It doesn't mean you can't have bad people who are your elders. But when you simply say, by dint of the fact that somebody is older and disagrees with you politically, that this means that they are bad. And you are, you, you found your own politics now. And this means that you are the virtuous person. What you are doing is discarding all of the realities and wisdom of the past in favor of a certain sort of narcissistic egotism that is likely to break down because your newfound rationales really do not stand up to the test of time. They haven't been tested. They haven't been tried. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that when you discard the wisdom of the past, when it comes to the economy, you're making a large-scale mistake. What the wisdom of the past tells you is that the government has control over fiat currency. Very often, they use that power in order to inflate the currency. They mess around with the interest rates. They do all sorts of things. They can screw around with your asset base. This is one reason why I trust Birch Gold with my metals investing. Birch Gold is the only company I trust to help me invest in physical gold and silver. They have everything you need to protect your money in an unstable economic climate. They even help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in precious metals. When you invest with Birch Gold, you'll be protecting your savings from inflation and economic uncertainty. You'll be like Ron Swanson, hoarding gold and silver like bacon and eggs. I buy gold from Birch Gold because I want financial safety net for my family. You can do the same. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free information kit on gold. Start investing in your financial future today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is the company I trust to protect my future and yours. Text Ben to 989898 today. Again, that's Ben to 989898 today. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, with inflation on the rise, 20 bucks 
barely gets you anything these days. In most restaurants, you can't get a burger and fries for under that. How about it like at the gas pump? Well, you might be able to get like a quarter of a gallon or something. I mean, like really, gas is getting very expensive. But from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, you can get unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. Pure Talk gives you the same quality of service as your current cell phone provider, but for half the cost. I want to ensure you heard that. This is top tier coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the cost of other carriers. The average family will save almost a thousand bucks a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can switch to Pure Talk with the phone and phone number you currently use, or you can take advantage of their great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Making the switch is incredibly easy. Their U.S. customer service team can help you join Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Choose to spend your hard-earned money with a wireless company that shares your values, supports our military and veterans, a company that creates American jobs and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Don't spend another day spending ridiculous amounts of money on your phone plan. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Right now, my listeners can get an additional 50% off their very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. So again, one, one of the things that is happening in our culture is that we have simply decided as a culture that young people have all the answers. Now, we don't actually believe young people have all the answers. What we do believe is that young people are going to rebel against the old answers. And so they, they ought to be granted additional measures of respect. And people who are older should simply be disrespected. They should be treated as though they are, as though they are bigots and fools, even though what they have to say might be rooted in accepted wisdom that has actually been tried and true. So there was a, a clip, it's about three years old, that was flying around the internet yesterday. And it was fascinating to see the sort of Rorschach test this clip represented. It was a clip from a YouTube channel called Participant in which a bunch of drag queens were asked to pose and dance with elderly men. And the reaction of one of these elderly men who happens to be black is pretty indicative of how a lot of older Americans think about the idea of men gallivanting around dressed up as women. Here we go. Why don't we just pair up? I'm not into uh, touching, I'm, okay? I'm, I'm not into okay. put that out front. I'm no touching, no touching. No touching. I won't touch you. 70. And then maybe let's look at the gentleman. Gentlemen, you guys can acknowledge us. Ooh, who is this? Cool. Oh, I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a man of God. I can't do this. Oh, no. Yeah, I love those people. I pray for them. I would never do anything to hurt them or condemn them. But men are not supposed to dress like women. I'm not going to go along, go along with that. Okay, so this was a Rorschach test. So the left was like, look at this awful, evil, old bigot. This man who doesn't want to pose with men dressed up as women and gallivanting around as women. And some people on the right are like, well, there's nothing wrong with, in fact, there's something very right about the idea that men should not dress up as women. There's a reason there are biblical prescriptions against men dressing as women, because it turns out that gender and sex roles are deeply important to a functioning society. The, the, the fact that, that this is an elderly gentleman who's sort of being mocked for this position is, again, indicative of a culture that is in decline. Cultures that are in decline look at the wisdom that, they, that has been passed down traditionally, and not only do they ignore it, they decide that it must be overthrown. And simply, again, not because the elderly people necessarily did something that is, that is terrible, as in the case of, of presumably this, this 84-year-old shooter, but just generally. And this is the, the general trend line across Western society is that the youth have the answers. Here's the thing. The youth don't have the answers. In fact, the youth's answers, very often, they're crap. They're really, really bad. Youth movements historically across history have been incredibly negative. There's a reason why fascism was a youth movement. There's a reason why communism was a youth movement. Virtually all youth movements are very, very bad because they rely on the idea that people who have not tested their ideas through time and across space somehow have the advantage of, of prophetic knowledge. And it's not true. It's the reason why it's, it's almost a pagan belief in like the child leaders that it's the same sort of thing that, that you get with Greta Thunberg. So Greta Thunberg, she's been making the rounds again. She did a, a, a an event in which she was given some sort of award in Europe. 
And uh, she started ripping the soccer players and the celebrities getting attention, which is hilarious because Greta Thunberg is literally famous worldwide for being a child who doesn't know anything about climate change, gallivanting around and, and talking about how her elders are really, really terrible. Where a football game or a film gala gets more media attention than the biggest crisis humanity has ever faced. Where celebrities, film and pop stars who have stood up against all injustices will not stand up for the environment and for climate justice because that would inflict on their right to fly around the world. And there's a reason that Greta Thunberg was propped up for years as sort of the face of the young prophetic movement with regard to climate change. There's a reason why the left is now focusing in on child transitions. There's a reason why that's happening. And the reason that's happening is because the idea is that young people have some sort of special knowledge. Now, let me just explain something to you. Young people do not have any special knowledge. Young people, generally speaking, don't know things. It is your job to civilize them. It is your job to actually get them ready for the real world. I have three kids, a fourth on the way. They don't know things. They're very innocent. This does not mean they are good. All three of them were quite terrible this morning, actually. If I were to delegate all of the moral power to my children, I would be a fool. And yet that is exactly what our society is doing. And in fact, we use their youth as both a sword and a shield. They are young. They are innocent. Therefore, we must listen to them. And also, they are young and they are innocent. Therefore, we have to make sure that we defend them against all critique, which makes them unanswerable, essentially. This is why the left uses children as its tools. Any movement that uses children as its tools is a bad movement. Children should not be the spokespeople for political positions. Children should not be the spokespeople for some sort of, of newfangled worldview. That is not what this is for. And younger generations ought to have a baseline level of respect for their elders. There's something wrong with a grandson who goes and starts jabbering about his grandfather to the media because he has woke principles at stake. And there is something wrong with that. Even if his grandfather is, in fact, a bad person. It's it, it, a society that, that refuses to, to acknowledge that there is a baseline level of Respect that is owed to the elderly is a society that is doomed to, to actually collapse in on itself. This is, again, this is why you're seeing, for example, the incoming mayor of Chicago suggesting after a bunch of young people ransacked the loop in Chicago that it's all of it that we have to prevent the demonization of children. Again, it's both things. It's a, the children have special access to knowledge and also the children are perfectly innocent and must never be punished. And he's talking about 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids here, right? People who actually have the ability to think at this point. Here's the incoming mayor of Chicago who is protecting against charges of criminality by suggesting that uh, children are being demonized. Demonizing children is wrong. We have to keep them safe as well. Have you ever taught middle school? I have. Have you ever raised young people? Do you understand the risk that young people take just because they're young? Do you know that home plate is at the bottom of my stairs? I found that out when my son was sliding down those stairs trying to score. They're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. And yet, at the same time that we say that they make silly decisions, we also say that they are very, very wise, right? This is exactly the sort of line that Katie Porter tried to use against Bill Maher. Katie Porter had this ridiculous exchange with Bill Maher where she was like, well, young people, you know, they, you're old. Young people have the wisdom. And Mars like, well, I mean, actually, they're kind of stupid. And she's like, well, they are kind of stupid. It's it, like you, you want it both ways. And the reason you want it both ways is because the thing you're really saying is not about young people. The real thing that you are saying is about older generations. You are saying that those people have nothing to bring to the table other than 
the facade of gravitas that is pasted on the youth movement, which is what the Democratic Party now represents. Again, this is why Democrats have fully signed into the cult of the quote-unquote trans youth. This is why Ayanna Presley is out there promoting the idea that the children have special knowledge when it comes to gender and sexual identity, which is absurd. Children are small, stupid people. That is what they are. My nine-year-old girl, brilliant nine-year-old girl, not 40, I noticed, does not think like a 40-year-old. She shouldn't. She's a child. This is a developmental stage. But Ayanna Presley likes to think that, again, we must follow the youths. And if you don't follow the youths, then this makes you a bad person. Here's Ayanna Presley, Democratic Congresswoman from Massachusetts. Rise today in solidarity with our children across the nation. I want to speak plainly to our trans kids. You belong. You are enough. You deserve to show up fully in this world. You deserve joy and every single opportunity. You are perfect just as you are. In the classroom and on the soccer field, you should not be subject to discrimination. You should be able to just be a kid. I will always be in your corner. To anyone who supports this cruel bill, shame on you. You want to advance policy on behalf of our kids? This isn't it. Ban assault weapons. Weapons so they can live to the last school bell. Time Get off expired. your soapbox and stop politicking with our kids' lives. Get off your soapbox and stop politicking. That's literally what you're doing. You're literally saying, Ayanna Presley, that small children have the capacity to choose their own gender. Again, not because you actually believe this, but because you believe that the institutions of gender need to be ripped down. And who better to do it than young people? The, the wave of the future, the, the great thinkers of our time. What this really has to do with is not the wisdom of the youth. It's about a deliberate attempt to alienate from the past. That's what this is about. Sociologist Robert Nisbet, he writes in a book called The Quest for a Community. Alienation from the past obviously affects youth. It helps make the problems of coming to adulthood so widely painful and baffling. How, apart from stable ties with preceding generations, can the image of adulthood be kept clear in a society? But that's the whole point. We don't want the image of adulthood to be clear in a society. We have created a society in which adults are treated like children and children are treated like adults to erase all distinctions. That is the point. And we'll get to more of this in just one second. First, I woke up this morning. My kids were already yelling at me. That meant I need my coffee. Like, I need my coffee every morning. This is why I need Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee is fueling Americans before they go out and do epic things with their lives. Their ready-to-drink cans are crafted for quality and convenience. If you want a Spartan-level caffeine kick, try Black Rifle's Ready to Drink 300, an electrifying blend of MCT oil and amino acids that will supercharge your day. Ready to Drink 300 is packed with 300 milligrams of caffeine. Plus, it comes in a variety of delicious flavors, each combined with a large dose of Wake the Heck Up. Ready to Drink cans are an amazing grab-and-go option designed to give you the boost you need to get through your day. I love Black Rifle Coffee not only because their coffee is top-notch, but because a portion of every sale is donated to support veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When I buy from Black Rifle, I'm supporting the folks who keep our country safe and free. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, that's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off. This is the coffee I rely on to get me through the day. You can find Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores near you as well. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. Go check them out right now, blackriflecoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro at checkout, get 10% off your order. Okay, so all of this is, again, tied into things like the trans movement, as you see there from Ayanna Presley. So yesterday, the House Republicans voted for what seems to be a fairly inarguable bill, saying that men should not compete with women in women's sports. According to the Washington Post, House Republicans passed a bill Thursday that would amend a landmark federal civil rights law to bar transgender athletes from participating in girls and women's sports. It was a two-page bill proposed by Representative Greg Stoib of Florida. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. It would change Title IX's definition of sex to one based solely on a person's genetics at birth, which, of course, makes perfect sense. Title IX was not designed. It's literally designed to preserve women's sports. And then, because of the foolishness of Justice Neil Gorsuch, the Supreme Court has now decided that the Civil Rights Act somehow was meant to encompass 
idiocies like the idea that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. And so that meant the Title IX was basically obsolete because now men who identify as women can now compete as women is basically the idea. So this bill would say, no, no, no. What the bill meant very obviously is that there should be women's sports and there should be men's sports. This bill earned all the Republican votes and zero Democratic votes, zero. Not a single Democrat voted in favor of the proposition that women playing sports should be protected from men masquerading as women in sports. 203 Democrats voted nay on this bill. That's an amazing thing. By the way, about 2% of high school students are currently identifying as transgender, but that was 2017. Today, it's way higher. It is going up radically. The, the, this baseline notion, again, this is, the idea here is that the, the youth movement and the, the social contagion that is transness right now is a youth movement that is going to overthrow all the institutions of society. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, he says, listen, there's a reason there are men's and women's sports. Again, this seems fairly inarguable. But there's a reason why Title IX was created. There's a reason why there's men and women's sports. There's a reason why there's a professional basketball for men and women. It's about fairness. And if there's one final fiber of America, it's about giving people an opportunity. Okay, well, the Democrats tried to uh, defend against the bill by suggesting it's an issue that doesn't exist. So again, th their favorite game here is it's not happening and it's good that it is. This is the, the, the favorite game of Democrats in the media. It's not happening, but it's good that it is. Here's Hakeem Jeffries, the House minority leader who's pushing this. And the extreme mega Republicans are trying to sensationalize an issue that doesn't really exist in the way that they are falsely portraying. So, um, yeah, it does, in fact, exist. MSNBC went even further. They suggested, of course, this is the going lie that if you are a uh, that, that if you are backing a bill like this, this means that you want kids to commit suicide. Again, absurdity at the highest order. Republicans today also passed a transgender sports ban for schools. Now, this is red meat for the base, but it's going to be vetoed, you know, if it got through the Senate. Meanwhile, they're not doing anything about guns or a lot of other issues. This is very similar. They point you to what happened and how gay people were villainized um, for years by, by elements of the Republican Party and that this is another layer of that, right? And this was a concern that folks had after um, same-sex marriage came through and went through and, and now that everyone's kind of used to it, that what is the next thing? And when you talk to these advocates, this is what they're worried about. And most importantly, they're worried about the um, numbers, the vast numbers, um, disproportionate numbers of young trans people who either kill themselves or um, feel scared living in this country where you have folks trying to pass bills like this. And the youngest among us get to decide their own gender and then they get to decide for everyone else how sex and gender work. And if you, don't, if you don't agree with any of that, then it's obviously because you want trans kids to commit suicide. And the, the line between, you know, the, the sort of straight line logic between I oppose the idea that a boy can become a girl and people are committing suicide has yet to be clearly drawn in any of the data, but that is going to be promoted by our intrepid media. And we'll get to more on the destruction of societal standards in the name of new societal standards and using the youth as sort of a prop for that momentarily. First, let's talk about the youths. So I have several youths in my home. I mean, nine-year-old, a nearly seven-year-old, a three-year-old, one on the way. One of their favorite things to do is to have pillow fights in my room. They like to jump on my bed. I love it. It's great. Well, here's the thing. They really enjoy, one of the reasons they really enjoy it is because my bed is really comfortable. One of the reasons my bed is really comfortable is because it's got those bowl and branch sheets. 
I rely on those bowl and branch sheets, not only so that I can get a great night's sleep so that my kids can roll around in the bed and, and enjoy themselves when they're having pillow fights and, and annoying me. Bowl and branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They feel buttery to the touch. They are super breathable. They are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their signature hem sheets were made with threads so luxurious, four U.S. presidents have slept in them. Bowl and branch sheets actually soften with every wash cycle. They're made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. Best of all, Bowl and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. Bowl and Branch sheets, they're better than all the other sheets. I got rid of literally all the other sheets because that's how good Bowl and Branch is. Get 15% off your first order today when you use promo code Shapiro at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Shapiro. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so the, the Biden administration, meanwhile, continues to push forward the lie that if you support traditional social structures, this means that you are a bigot. The latest lies come courtesy of the world's worst press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. So over in Florida, they recently passed a bill signed into law that essentially says that you're not allowed to sexually indoctrinate children in the public schools. And the Florida Department of Education extended that from K all the way through 12. Seems pretty inarguable. But Karine Jean-Pierre is very upset with this. She says it's illegal for gay teachers to have pictures of their spouses on their desks which of course is a lie. That's not true at all, legally speaking. But, you know, the truth has never stopped Karine Jean-Pierre. Teachers in Florida have already faced the devastating consequences of the existing law. Under threat of having their licenses revoked, gay teachers have been forced to take down pictures of their spouses from their desks and censor their classroom materials. Censoring our classes is not how public education is supposed to work in a free country. Censoring our classes. Well, I mean, that's exactly how public education is supposed to work. Do you literally teach everything in a public school? That's the, again, the idea is the kids will be harmed if Mr. Bill can't teach about his, about his polyamorous lifestyle to the children. It's all for the kids, right? It's all on behalf of the youth. Corinne Jean-Pierre went on to, of course, slam the quote unquote violence and vitriol surrounding Bud Light and their decision to hire a man masquerading as a woman. Dylan Mulvaney has uh, been the target of a barrage of uh, attacks from anti-trans individuals online after she did an ad with Bud Light uh, a couple of weeks ago. She's someone who has been here to the White House. She interviewed the president last year. He had a lot of warm words for her. Has anyone here at the White House reached out to her since she became the target of these attacks? So don't have any uh, calls to review at this time, and I don't have anything to say specifically about this report. But what I can say, when a transgender American... Uh, post a, a, a video about a brand of beer they enjoy, uh, and, it, and it leads to bomb threats, uh, it's clear that that level of violence and vitriol against uh, transgender Americans has to stop. And the president has been very clear. I just laid this out. The administration uh, has, uh, is going to do everything that they can to protect LGBTQI plus people who are under attack. It keeps, it keeps growing, by the way. LGBTQI plus minus divided by sign. Um, again, the, the, the whole goal here is the traditional institutions have to be exploded. They will be, they will do this from the highest levels of government. And then they will, you know, trot an old man around like a skin suit in order to promote the idea that this is actually traditional American values. No, none of this is traditional American values. All of it is a newfangled youth movement that is completely disconnected from history, from reality, from science, and from, and from decency. Now, you'd imagine that our news industry might actually be interested as the Democratic Party moves ever leftward, but of course they aren't. They're actually just adjuncts to the Democratic Party. How, how much are they adjuncts to the Democratic Party? So much so that much of the media has now remained silent when a Democrat named Stacey Plaskett, who is um, the Democrat from the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, she actually, you will recall, suggested that journalist Matt Taibbi, 
who was one of the people who revealed the Twitter files. Elon Musk gave him access to all the old files of Twitter. And Taibbi released a lot of those online. And then he testified before Congress. She suggested he wasn't a true journalist. Now she's threatening to prosecute Matt Taibbi. The reason that she's threatening to prosecute Matt Taibbi is because supposedly on Twitter, he mixed up two acronyms, CISA and another one that, um, that is, that is a, a different organization called CIS. So apparently he screwed up acronyms on Twitter. And so she's now threatening to prosecute him. And apparently most of the media are pretty silent about this because they don't care. Matt Taibbi is not doing the work of the Democratic Party. That's the way this actually works. We have two separate stories today demonstrating the close and unbelievable, I mean, unbelievably close ties between the Democratic Party and the mainstream legacy media apparatus. And they are both just horrifying. So story number one, Ben Smith, who was the one of the co-founders of BuzzFeed, and he was the editor of BuzzFeed when they released the so-called Steele dossier. The Steele dossier was a compendium of absolute garbage trotted out by the Hillary Clinton campaign. They hired a firm called Fusion GPS that then went to an ex-spy named Christopher Steele to compile basically a bunch of crap rumors about Donald Trump being peed on by Russian prostitutes and such. And then they took all of that and they funneled it through to the FBI in an attempt to launch an investigation into Donald Trump. It served as the predicate for the investigation of the Russia investigation into Donald Trump that was launched in the middle of the 2016 campaign. The Steele dossier only made its way into full public view in January of, of 2017, right as Trump was about to take office. BuzzFeed released the full dossier into full public view without vetting any of the claims. So Ben Smith, he has a new book coming out. And in this book, he talks specifically about why they decided to, to release the Steele dossier. Well, one of the details here is that the way that they got a hold of the Steele dossier is that it was trotted out by a person named David Brock. David Brock, of course, was one of the founders of Media Matters. He's a Hillary Clinton flack. Here is what Ben Smith writes. I heard about the report again over lunch in Brooklyn when a peculiar character in Hillary Clinton's orbit passed through town. David Brock had been an anti-Clinton journalist in the 1990s. Now he was Hillary's fiercest ally, a genius at raising money for Democratic groups. He showed up at a cafe a couple of days before Christmas, wearing a coat with a lavish fur collar and stashed shop full shopping bags beside the table. Brock was consumed with the mission of stopping Trump manic. He was headed, it turned out, for a heart attack that landed him in the hospital. He wanted to spread the word about a dossier of allegations involving Trump's ties to Russia. Brock didn't have the document, he said, but he knew the Washington Post did, and so did the New York Times. Politicians had it too, he told me, and spies. As far as I could figure out, so did everyone except the reading public and me. And Ben Smith said, that I believed made it exactly the sort of thing you should publish. The dossier would be a great story, a journalistic and traffic sensation. So in other words, the media just did the work of David Brock, who is an open Clinton flack. That is story number one. It is not totally unrelated to the fact that BuzzFeed News is, uh, is now shutting down. It turns out that people don't trust the media and they are not clicking on BuzzFeed News. Not, not, not a tremendous shock. Okay, that is story number one. And then there is media story number two, which is even more damning. So that's the 2016 election when the media were basically just doing the whims of the Hillary Clinton campaign and getting out the Steele dossier in order to presumably harm Donald Trump. Okay, that, that is story, story number two is even worse. So according to the Washington Examiner, a former top CIA official who helped write the, and sign the infamous October 2020 Hunter Biden laptop letter, letter baselessly claiming Russian involvement has testified a phone call with now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken triggered its creation. So you'll recall that in October 2020, the Hunter Biden laptop story broke in the New York Post. And then there is a letter from Politico that was signed by dozens and dozens and dozens of intelligence specialists. And, um, and it, it suggested that this was a clear act of Russian disinformation. It was created, that letter, by Mike Morell, former acting CIA director under Barack Obama. Well, in a recently transcribed interview with congressional investigators, he testified that before his October 17th phone call with Blinken, 
that Tony Blinken, he had no intention to write the October 19th Hunter Laptop letter. He testified yes and absolutely if the call with Blinken, who's then a top advisor to Joe Biden's 2020 campaign, was what triggered that intent in you. In other words, Antony Blinken, close advisor to Joe Biden, and now Secretary of State, called up Mike Morrell, former CIA director under Barack Obama, and said, I want you to put together a letter claiming from all the intelligence specialists that the Hunter Biden laptop story is a scam and a phony and was created by the Russians. That's the implication of the story. Morrell testified one of the two reasons he helped put the letter together was to help Joe Biden defeat former President Trump. So it wasn't an honest assessment of the facts. It instead was an attempt to get Trump prompted by the Democratic Party and dutifully trotted out in Politico. And these revelations came in a letter obtained by the Washington Examiner that was sent to Blinken on Thursday by Representative Jim Jordan. The news comes one day after an IRS agent alleged that the DOJ investigation into Hunter Biden has been infected by politics and preferential treatment. Jordan and Turner told Blinken that Morell revealed the Secretary of State had played a role in the inception of this statement while serving as a Biden campaign advisor, and that according to Morell, although your outreach was couched as simply gathering Morell's reaction to the New York Post story, it set in motion the events that led to the issuance of the public statement. Apparently, the same day of that blinken Morell call, Blinken also emailed Morell an article published in USA Today that alleged the FBI was examining whether the Biden laptop was part of a disinformation campaign. Apparently, Blinken has been told that the very bottom of the email you sent to Morell included a signature block of Andrew Bates, then director of rapid response for the Biden campaign. He's now deputy press secretary in the Biden White House. So in other words, the Biden campaign simply laundered into public view via quote unquote intelligence specialists the view that the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. On the basis of that, a bunch of social media companies took down the Hunter Biden laptop story. That is how tight the media are with the Democratic Party. They just do the bidding of the Democratic Party. All they have, it's, it's super easy. All you have to do is find out what the Democratic agenda is, and then you link it with a couple of supposed Democratic officials with, with highfalutin titles like Mike Morrell. And then you go to the media and you say, listen, we have a letter we'd like to publish. Would you like to publish it? And the media are like, yes, absolutely. We'd love to publish this absolutely baseless crap. And then you just put it out there. It's just magic. Again, this is one of the reasons why legacy media are having real problems right now. It's one of the reasons why more and more people are going to other outlets for their news, places like Daily Wire and Daily Wire Plus and shows like this one. This would be the reason. As I said, BuzzFeed News, the source of the Steele dossier for the viewing public, now is going to shutter. The move was part of broader layoffs across BuzzFeed, according to Jonah Peretti, who is the BuzzFeed CEO. The company is slashing 15% of its workforce or 180 employees, and Vice could be next. With, with the help of God, we can hope. Alrighty, in just a moment, we'll get to Elon Musk launching a rocket and... Uh, it goes well until it doesn't get to that momentarily first. The economy is getting worse every day. You need to change your spending habits and start saving money. If you haven't changed the way you buy meat yet, you really need to do so. Let me give you three reasons to subscribe to Good Ranchers first. Good Ranchers is giving you, well, not me, free bacon for a year. I, I can't do the bacon. That's a pound and a half of bacon in every box, a $240 value. Second, Good Ranchers offers a price lock guarantee. It means that when you subscribe, your price is not going to change for the entire length of your subscription. When the price of meat is expected to increase by another 4.5% this year, this could be a big savings for you and your family. And third, Good Ranchers meat is just terrific. I know this because they actually did go out of their way to get me the sole kosher steak Good Ranchers has ever made. They prepped it just like they would any other Good Ranchers steak, except kosher. It was awesome. The steak is really good. I'm talking about it two years later. That's how good that steak was. I can still taste it in my mouth. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Ben for 20 bucks off your order. You'll get free bacon, great meat, a secure price, and 20 bucks off your very first order of meat. Use promo code Ben at GoodRanchers.com. Again, that's GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. The best steaks for the best price. GoodRanchers.com. Also, despite the lackluster economy, The Daily Wire is thriving and we are hiring. The Daily Wire is right now looking to add a senior associate general counsel to serve as a member of the general counsel's leadership team. 
This position will manage the non-entertainment side of the legal department. The responsibilities of this position include most corporate legal matters under the general counsel supervision. That includes, without limitation, all matters of transactions, privacy, insurance, risk management, regulatory compliance. We're looking for a top-notch legal expert who thrives in a fast-paced environment. If you have 15-plus years of relevant legal experience and you're ready for a new challenge, apply now to be considered. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information and to apply, visit dailywire.com careers. That's dailywire.com careers today. Now, meanwhile, big news of the day yesterday is that Elon Musk launched a, his starship. This is the single biggest attempt to take an object to space, like 40 stories tall. It's enormous. The video is really cool. And here's, here's a little bit of the video of the starship te- flight test. Look at the size of that thing. That's no moon. That's a space Look at this. I mean, <laughs> you know how much power it takes to get that thing off the ground? Pretty amazing that they were even able to get this thing up off the ground. The problem is that uh, the bottom of the rocket would not disconnect from the top of the rocket. And so uh, it ended up blowing up. So SpaceX was actually pretty happy with this test flight because, again, this is how you learn things. According to Reuters, the the flight test was the first for a Starship mounted atop the company's new super heavy rocket. It's the first launch ever for that lower stage booster. SpaceX is touted as the most powerful launch vehicle on the planet. Even though the two-stage rocket ship made it less than halfway to the edge of space, climbing to just under 25 miles, the flight achieved a primary objective of getting the new vehicle off the ground at liftoff, despite some of the engines actually failing. The mission did fall short of reaching several objectives. The plan was for the Starship to soar into space at least some 90 miles above Earth before it re-entered the atmosphere and then plunge into the Pacific near Hawaii. So it wasn't as though they expected to actually just like re-land the thing or something. But apparently, the spacecraft experienced multiple engines out during its ascent and then lost altitude and started to tumble before the flight termination system was commanded on both the booster and the ship. Musk had already suggested back in February, the real goal is not to blow up the launch pad. Now, it's funny to watch all these kind of career losers on Twitter who are like, oh my God, you know, he blew that test. That was terrible. That was First of all, look at the old sort of NASA tapes. You know how many things had to blow up in order to actually get to space in the first place and then to put a person on the moon? Like, this is a very early stage test. It is, it is always amusing to watch people who have never built a thing criticize people like Elon Musk who are actually doing extraordinary things, like trying to take a 40-story building off the ground. It's kind of an amazing thing. Again, we have a society that is, uh, that is filled with, with people who are critics but not builders. And we need more builders and, and fewer critics. So we should actually be celebrating the, the, the test. It's what, listen, SpaceX, is, it's, it's super cool. I mean, what Musk does between Tesla and space, it's very, very cool stuff. Okay, speaking of people who are more interested in not doing cool stuff, the Biden administration continues to make the case that we should draw closer to China. I don't understand what they're doing here. It makes no sense to me. So they, they still seem to be operating under assumptions from like 1994, which is that if you, if you are warm and embracing toward China, maybe they'll be nice to you. Uh, I have yet to see the evidence for this as Xi Jinping grows ever more aggressive. So Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, who's done just a superb job in generating 40-year highs in inflation and stagnant economic growth, uh, she, uh, she says, we need a healthier economic relationship with China. We seek a healthy economic relationship with China, one that fosters growth and innovation in both countries. A growing China that plays by international rules is good for the United States and the world. Both countries can benefit from healthy competition in the economic sphere. Now, we're going to happy talk our relationship with China right now, mainly because this administration continues to undermine America's economic health as well as our military readiness. 
Uh, she then continued by saying that we believe China can share global prosperity, which is weird since uh, they're not doing it now. Some see the relationship between the U.S. and China through the frame of great power conflict, a zero-sum bilateral contest where one must fall for the other to rise. President Biden and I don't see it that way. We believe that the world mm. is big enough for both of us. China and the United States can and need to find a way to live together and share in global prosperity. Uh, well, uh, sad, sad news for you. That's not going to happen. The Chinese have no interest in sharing in global prosperity with the United States. They prefer to, uh, to start an era of great power competition, which normally would be a call for the United States to strengthen its own position. But we have another agenda. The, the other agenda is that we have to spend endless amounts of money in order to presumably achieve equity or something. So to that end, the Biden administration continues to promote the idea that they are not going to cut a single damned thing in order to achieve an increase in the debt ceiling. Even some House Democrats are like, maybe Biden should call Kevin McCarthy at this point. According to Politico, President Biden immediately rejected Kevin McCarthy's opening debt limit proposal, but it prompted movement elsewhere. A growing number of House Democrats would like party leaders to restart negotiations. The party's still firmly behind Biden and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. But a growing contingent of Democrats are acknowledging that Biden's blanket refusal to engage with McCarthy may need to change, especially if House Republicans manage to pass their bill as planned next week. If McCarthy does that, several House Democrats said this week Biden would probably need to meet with the Speaker. Representative Debbie Dingell of Michigan. She says they've got to do it soon. She believes that there will be a clean debt ceiling increase, but the administration can't keep waiting. I don't think there's any harm in the two of them sitting down to talks. As first-term Representative Greg Landsman of Ohio, the idea we're even coming this close to a potential default is insane. I mean, that's true. But again, Joe Biden believes that he's able to get away with pretty much anything because so far he's been able to get away with pretty much anything. Now, but, but reality is going to set in. So home prices in March actually posted the biggest annual decline in 11 years. That is the result of Joe Biden's increasingly inflationary and stagnation-based economy. According to the Wall Street Journal, home sales fell across the United States in March, a sluggish start to the crucial spring selling season as higher mortgage rates squashed momentum from the prior month. The good news is that Joe Biden still has the media in his corner. So this means it's time to start happy talking, bad things happening. This is one, one of my favorite brands of media coverage of Democrats is something bad happens because of a Democrat. And so it's all that we have to shift our mindset. It's like meat is unavailable because of meat shortages generated by supply chains breaking under Joe Biden. And suddenly you have a spate of articles about how meat is really bad for you and actually you should probably eat bugs. Right, here's the latest and greatest. So it turns out that nobody can actually afford to buy a house right now because the mortgage rates are so unbelievably high and the real estate rates are still elevated. The, the real estate prices are still elevated by the amount of inflation in the economy. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a uh, Bermuda Triangle in terms of people who are trying to buy new houses. So the Washington Post has a piece today titled Rethinking Single Family Living. Roommates pay bills, create community. Yes, you should stop thinking about, you know, getting married, having kids, that white picket fence, the home. Stop thinking about that. Instead, you should be like Leanne Doe. Doe, 38, has shared her Seattle home with a rotating cast of 11 roommates since she and her husband, Nathan Friend, 37, bought it in 2012. During that time, they've had three children, now seven, four, and one. Having renters provides a meaningful source of income for Doe and Friend, both of them hold part-time jobs in the education and nonprofit sectors, allowing them to work fewer paid hours and devote more time to caregiving. Doe says the decision is more than about savings. It enhances their family life. My children love it. I'm sure your kids love having random strangers just living in your house. I'm sure they love it. Many families' budgets are squeezed amid ongoing inflation. Meanwhile, an affordability crisis in the U.S. housing market has put buying a home out of reach for many. According to a recent report from Redfin, only about one in five U.S. homes for sale in 2022 was affordable for a typical household. Bringing in roommates can help everyone involved navigate these challenges. This is a new movement toward multi-generational living says um, 
Joyce Cerrito, associate professor at the Department of Family Social Science at the University of Minnesota. Yes, the, the, now we're going to get a bunch of articles about how tiny homes are good. You should live in tree houses. This is the best way to live now. Democrats are, are wrecking your lifestyle. The, the answer to that is that, you know, get used to the new lifestyle. It's going to be awesome. In just a second, we'll get to the implications of all of this for the 2024 race, where the, the unspoken, the silent primary is heating up first. This year marks the 75th anniversary of Israel's independence. Yom Hatzma'ud is going to be celebrated next week. Coincidentally, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is also celebrating 40 years of ministry. Today, thousands of Jews, both in Israel and in war-torn Ukraine, struggle to survive life-threatening crises, including extreme poverty, hunger, and violence in the form of conflict, anti-Semitism, and terrorism. Among these vulnerable people are tens of thousands of Holocaust survivors and elderly Jews who are not going to survive without basic needs. A lot of these folks are absolutely incredible. When I was younger, I actually helped ghostwrite the memoir of a Holocaust survivor. Many Holocaust survivors in Ukraine have gone through not just the Holocaust, but then they've gone through Soviet occupation. And now they're going through the Russians actually like attacking their homes, helping them out. It's a really good thing to do. With just 40 bucks, you can provide one person with an emergency food box and hot meals for one week. Today, we have a special matching opportunity where your gift will double in impact. A $40 gift becomes an $80 gift. A $100 gift becomes a $200 gift. Go to benforthefellowship.org or call 800-331-3737 to rush an emergency food box today. Your special gift will double in impact to provide those in need with twice as much nourishment. Again, that's benforthefellowship.org or call 800-331-3737. Okay, so Joe Biden, not doing a good job. As people know, not a fan. This would mean that um, maybe Republicans should think about nominating someone who can beat Don, uh, who can beat Joe Biden, right? That, that may, maybe that should be our, our top priority, in fact, is, is who actually can beat Joe Biden. Well, there's a new poll out from the Wall Street Journal. What it shows is that a plurality of Republicans, 41 to 31, think that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has a better shot of beating Biden than Donald Trump does. That same poll shows 51% of Republicans to 38 backing Trump against DeSantis in a primary. I'm going to need an explainer on this one. I'm going to need an explanation for the 20-point gap between people who believe in the Republican Party that Donald Trump can win 31% and people in the Republican Party who want to vote for him in a primary, 51%. Explain. Yeah, like, really, I, I want for, this is like my big critique of a lot of people who are voting for Trump. You can love the guy. You can love everything he did. You can, you can love the tweets. You can love all of it. You can love the NFTs, all of it. If you, do you care about winning or do you not care about winning? Because apparently 40% of the people who are going to vote for Donald Trump in a primary believe he is less likely to win against Joe Biden than is Ron DeSantis. Like, so you want to vote for him in a primary so that he will lose? Like, what, what is the logic here? And there, there is a thing that people do with their vote sometimes where it's like, my vote is, is a vote for who I love. It's, it's, it's like a dating game. It's a vote for who I love. No, it's not. It's a vote for who you think can beat the other guy. That's what the vote is about. So for some it's like, well, you know, I owe Donald Trump so much. Well, you can be grateful to Donald Trump, but here's one thing that you don't owe to Donald Trump, your vote. He owes to you his best capacity to serve the people of the United States and the Constitution. He's running for the office. You don't owe him your vote. You don't owe anybody your vote. That's not how that works. The reason I keep saying this is because Donald Trump is running ever to the left. So Donald Trump has decided that he is not going to attack Ron DeSantis from the right. He's not going to say, listen, I love how Ron DeSantis governs in Florida, but I've been president before. I know what it takes. I know how, how you get hit. And next time around, I've learned a lot. And so I'm going to know exactly which buttons to push in order to prevent the deep state from thwarting my presidency. That's not the case that Donald Trump is making. Right? Donald Trump isn't making the case. Here's all the wonderful things I did as president. A second term would have been a lot better than Joe Biden. And I'll make that happen. And then I'll pass the baton because I only have one term left. I'll pass the baton to somebody like Ron. That's not the case he's making. Instead, he's full on attacking Ron DeSantis from the left. It's bizarre. It's super weird. Here is Donald Trump ripping Ron DeSantis' COVID response 
for being too liberal and permissive, for allowing too many people to die. This is the same attack the mainstream media were making on Ron DeSantis during COVID. This is the Andrew Cuomo attack on Ron DeSantis being mirrored by President Trump. What in the world? Why do you think you're a better choice than DeSantis? Well, actually, if you look at the numbers, he didn't do a great job. If you take a look at the numbers, he's very high on crime, very high, right at the top, uh, almost at the top. Uh, he, I think he gets good publicity, although now people are starting because I'm putting out the COVID numbers. He didn't do well on COVID. He had more deaths than almost every country in Florida. I hate to say it because Florida's my state. But he had he did not have he did not do well. It's it's really it's very interesting. I don't want to knock anybody, but the thing he did well on is public relations because uh, the numbers weren't what uh, they pretended to be. That is a lie. He's actually doing Rebecca Jones crap now. The numbers weren't what he the numbers are exactly what he said they were. Florida, in terms of its its age, well outperformed a bunch of other states. Florida has approximately the same death rates from COVID as California. And when you adjust for the ages, then Florida does better. They, and we didn't kill our economy here in Florida. I mean, everyone knows this. This is why Ron DeSantis is popular. So, so Trump is basically saying, who are you going to believe me? Or, me or your own lying eyes? And, and he's now running at him from the left. I mean, presumably, this means that he would have been in favor of lockdowns because Ron DeSantis was not in favor of lockdowns. Presumably, this would be in, mean that he would be in favor of vax mandates because Ron DeSantis was not in favor of vax mandates. Presumably, this would mean that Trump is in favor of mask mandates because DeSantis was not in favor of mask mandates. So I have a question for you. Again, are you voting for Trump because you actually think that he's going to be a stalwart protector of conservative values? Are you voting for him because you think that he's going to win? Because both of those seem to be in doubt by the way he's running the campaign. And this is the part that drives me nuts. I'll say it for the 1,000th time. If he's the nominee, I'm highly likely to vote for him. That does not mean that he is the best nominee. And people should take that into account. I mean, look at the, if you believe that, so Trump himself cites polls. He cites them all the time, right? He cites them to the effect that he's winning the primaries. Right now, he is winning in the primaries. Those same exact polls show that Donald Trump loses to Joe Biden and that Ron DeSantis does not lose to Joe Biden. That is the same exact poll, the same exact poll that is showing him up 13 over Ron DeSantis in the primaries. By the way, DeSantis hasn't even declared yet. That same poll shows that DeSantis leads Biden 48-45 and Trump lags by three points. He lags 45-42. That is not a, a massive shock. Again, Joe Biden ran against Donald Trump already. We know how he performs. I mean, the, the, the fact is that when, when you look at the, here, here is the, it's kind of amazing. Here are the share of GOP primary voters describing Trump versus DeSantis, according to this new Wall Street Journal poll that's out today. So 53% say that Trump is a strong leader. 21% say DeSantis. 14% say both equally, which really is kind of saying DeSantis. Stands up for what he believed. 46% say Trump. 23% say DeSantis. And again, a lot of this is attitudinal because people love Trump. They love him. I get it. 42% say that Trump has an impressive record versus 24% who say DeSantis. 22% say undecided, which means you know, you, that whenever people say they're undecided between Trump and DeSantis, that's really a lot of people saying they like DeSantis, but they don't actually want to say Trump. Trump is a person you just say you love him or you don't. Like if, if somebody says undecided on Trump, this means they are not a fan. <laughs> there are not a lot of people who tell pollsters that they are undecided and they're actually like super big fans of Trump. At least not in polls like this one. Shares my values. 39% say, say Trump. 33% say DeSantis. But here is where DeSantis has the lead. Is most conservative. 35% say Trump. 37% say DeSantis has the best chance of beating Biden, which is the big question. 31% say Trump. 
41% say DeSantis. Has the right temperament. 28% say Trump. 48% say DeSantis. Again, if you are if you're a person who is a conservative, wishes to see your values upheld if you wish to win, maybe you, sure ought to, you ought to think about this before. Also, one thing you might want to think about is the people that Donald Trump surrounds himself with. I'm not sure how many more times I can read a statement from Donald Trump about a person he hired, about how terrible that person is. Well, at a certain point, if everyone you hire is terrible, maybe you're bad at hiring. In the, the, the latest example of this, of course, is uh, he went after Mick Mulvaney, who was originally, he, he was his chief of staff, and then he put out like a whole truth social about how terrible Mick Mulvaney is. It, it really is Mike Lindell, who's still showing up to every Donald Trump event, like in the front row, the MyPillow guy. His firm has now been told to pay $5 million in the Prove Mike Wrong election fraud challenge. He made a bold offer in August 2021 in South Dakota. He claimed he had data showing Chinese interference and said he would pay $5 million to anyone who could prove the material was not from the previous year's U.S. election. Then, actually, a computer forensics expert and a 63-year-old Trump voter named Robert Zeidman actually proved it and was entitled to the $5 million payout. So, oops. Meanwhile, apparently, even Donald Trump is upset about the idea that Doug Mastriano might run for Senate in Pennsylvania. Trump liked Mastriano in the gubernatorial primaries. Now he doesn't want Mastriano on a ballot. You want to know why? Because Mastriano is the candidate in Pennsylvania in 2024, and Trump is at the top of the ticket. Mastriano could drag Trump. But Mastriano was his guy. This is, you know, all of this is, is just, it's evidence of, let's say, lack of discipline at the, at the very best. The other thing that is very obvious here is who the media are rooting for. So Kara Swisher, who's truly one of the more egregious people in American media. She is dedicated to the proposition that people who disagree with her should be silenced. She spends basically her entire career just yelling at tech heads to quiet her opponents. Well, now she's out there attacking DeSantis. And, and you've noticed that the media are just falling into line to attack DeSantis because they desperately want Trump. He sounds like everybody's ex-husband, right? <laughs> that's, that's what he sounds like. Oh, that guy. Like, oh, I can't stand listening to him anymore. He sounds like everybody's ex-husband they're thrilled to have gotten rid of. That's what he is to me. What you call Bob Iger the cashmere prince? What would you call Ron DeSantis? Oh, he's just the polyester. Whew, he's polyester just, fired court jester. Polyester clown. He really is. He's the polyester clown. He's a clown and not a funny one. To threaten to put a state prison next to a, a park or put another park next to a park is just, it's just, he's just uh, junior varsity. It's not even junior varsity. It's intramural. Intramural, I think, is the word you're looking for. So, um, yeah, that's, um, you, you want to know who the media are rooting for? They're, they're telling you out loud. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things that I like today. There's a clip that is, that is going around of Representative Rosa DeLauro, and she is praising Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, who is so bad at his job that you know his name. And typically, you're not supposed to know the name of the uh, Secretary of Transportation. So, Rosa, Rosa DeLauro, who is a um, representative from Connecticut, who has purple hair, she... Um, she was praising him for the crash. Apparently, a big accomplishment is that he wants to put female crash test dummies in the cars when, when they're testing these cars because women's bodies react differently than men's bodies. Here she was explaining. You also plan to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis, including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've, I've written to you about of the use of female uh, dummies in crash testing. This will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle safety and crash victims. So um, I'm fine with this. There should be female crash test dummies because we, we should actually, you know, know how women's bodies react to, to crashes. I just want to know why uh, Rosa DeLauro is assuming the gender of the current male crash test dummies. 
This is a party that does not even believe that men and women exist. So how exactly are you saying that there is a sexual dichotomy necessary so that you can actually call a, a crash test dummy female? So I, I love the tacit admission that there is, in fact, sexual dichotomy in the world and that women are not built the same as men. But you're not allowed to say that out loud. You can only say it about inanimate objects that are like mannequins. Then you're allowed to say it. So, so that's kind of funny. Uh, other things that I like today. So I have a book recommendation for you. There's a reissue of a book by George Gilder coming out called Men and Marriage. This book was written all the way back in like the early 1980s. And it's a really fascinating take on the sort of death of roles in American society and what marriage was originally designed to do. And one of the great lies of, of feminism is that marriage is a patriarchal institution. What George Gilder points out is that it absolutely is not. That basically what men are in, in a vacuum, men have a genetic drive to go and procreate with as many women as possible, not to settle down, to go and hunt, to do all of these things. That aggressive testosterone-driven male, that's what he does in a vacuum. And then a man is forced by women and nature to actually settle down and subject his drives to the living patterns of a woman. And women's drives are not nearly as peripatetic. Women's drives are largely rooted in not only procreate, but then you actually have a commitment that goes along with the procreation. And this allows men also to start planning for the future. Because if you live a peripatetic lifestyle, then you're not actually going to plan for the future. You just move from woman to woman, from place to place, all the rest of this. But if you settle down with a woman, who is bearing your child, you now have to take all that aggressive energy and channel it towards civilization and the future. George Gilder correctly points out, he says, marriage is not simply a ratification of an existing love. It is the, conver it is the conversion of that love into a biological and social continuity. Regardless of what reasons particular couples may give for getting married, the deeper evolutionary and sexual propensities explain the persistence of the institution. All sorts of superficial variations from homosexual marriage to companionate partnership may be played on the primal themes of human life, but the themes remain. The natural fulfillment of love is a child. The fantasies and projects of the childless couple may well be considered as surrogate children. In other words, it's the thing that you're building together that makes marriage worthwhile and also takes the aggressive and terrible toxic instincts of men and captures them and channels them in a proper direction. This is one of the reasons why, by the way, the average married man will earn a lot more money than the average single man, despite the fact that he has fewer costs, right? And again, this, in order to understand this, you have to understand the basic difference between the male and female drives. George Gilder says this, in a world where women do not say no, the man is never forced to settle down and make serious choices. His sex drive, the most powerful compulsion in his life, is never used to make him part of civilization as the supporter of a family. If a woman does not force him to make a long-term commitment to marry, in general, he won't. It is maternity that requires commitment. His sex drive only demands conquest, driving him from body to body in an unsettling hunt for variety and excitement in which much of the thrill is the chase itself. The man needs to be tamed. His problem is that many young women think they have better things to do than socialize single men. And you're seeing that play out right now. It turns out that the feminist movement has basically liberated men from the thing that made them civilized in the first place. And then we wonder why there's an increase in, quote unquote, toxic masculinity. And by the way, what women have been liberated from is the thing that most women actually want, namely to get married and have children. It turns out the vast majority of women actually want to get married and have children and enjoy being married and having children. The book is really good. It's worth the read. George Gilder, Men in Marriage. You should pick up a copy of the uh, reissue that should be coming out shortly. OK, time for a quick thing that I hate. Woo boy, this is a good one. Okay, so Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has decided to celebrate their 100th anniversary by doing something special. According to their website, the Warner Brothers Discovery Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Team, yay, DEI, all they do is produce garbage and then they slap an approved by the woke label on it. Today, they unveiled plans for a short film series that reimagines the studio's iconic films through a diverse and inclusive lens. Six filmmakers have been selected to develop and shoot 
20-minute short film adaptations, bringing a modern lens to classic Warner Brothers titles. What are those titles? A Star is Born, The Adventures of Robin Hood, Calamity Jane, Jack and the Beanstalk, The Prince and the Pauper, and Rebel Without a Cause, with representative casting, storytelling, and narrative. Ooh. Have you ever wanted to see Rebel Without a Cause? Except instead of the movie starring Natalie Wood and James Dean, it stars like two gay dudes. Have you ever really wanted to see that? You want to see Rebel Without a Cause, but it's about uh, a young boy's coming out of the closet story? How about The Adventures of Robin Hood, but starring a disabled little person who happens to be pansexual? It's, it's Man Marion and Big John. Have you ever wanted to see that? Well, Warner Brothers is here for you. A Star is Born. Not like the, the remake of A Star is Born that, that, you know, is similar but worse. Like a remake of the one with James Mason and, um, and Judy Garland. Except this time, it will presumably be about a couple of, of woke gay people who have decided they need to trans themselves, but that's going to undermine their career and one of them commits suicide because of the meanness of American society. A Star is Born, 2023. It, th this is about as bad an idea as you can have, mainly because what it's going to show is that old movies are really great and the new movies suck. I'm sorry to break it to you, but the new movies are garbage compared to this kind of stuff. When you're talking about like The Adventures of Robin Hood, like 1930, 1939, The Adventures of Robin Hood, Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland, this is maybe the greatest adventure film ever made. Fantastic score by Korngold. It's, it's like truly an amazing film. Claude Rains, it, like, it's so good. So you're going to destroy that by what? Making a remake of it, but it's going to have like Eddie Murphy in it or something? Uh, what, what, exa what exactly is the logic here? How about make something new that's good? How about that? Or how about you do what Hollywood used to do, which is you pay homage to the great old movies without, you know, putting a warning thing on the screen. It's going to be Calamity Jane, but Calamity Jane is a, is a lesbian, of course. That, 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 it's just amazing. We're absolutely thrilled to work with WBD's diversity, equity, and inclusion team to expand opportunities for a broader range of talents to realize their dreams at Warner Brothers, said Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi, co-chairs and CEOs, Warner Brothers Pictures Group. By the way, I'm hearing from people in Hollywood. They literally, on these sets, are hiring people who are minority to just sit in the room so that they can tell people that they have diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, they can't find enough qualified people of particular specified intersectional check marks, so they just, like, hire people and they put them in the room so that they can say that they're doing this thing. I've also heard from people I know who have done script reading in Hollywood that you are supposed to actually give, like, extra benefits to scripts that come from particular minority authors. The featured filmmakers were selected by DEI industry veterans including WB's Senior Vice President of DEI in North American, Karen Horn, in collaboration with Warner Pictures executives. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Who, who's really pumped? I, I can't wait to see, again, the Monica Moore Sarayaj Adventures of Robin Hood. Not like the Michael Curtis one, but the lady who directed Netflix's Fear Street. Cannot wait to see her version of the Adventures of Robin Hood. That's literally who's doing this, by the way. So, so pumped for this. The... Asik Sadiq, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer of Warner Brothers, said, quote, the impact of Warner Brothers films over the last century has been tremendous. They've shaped our culture and our understanding of the world around us. In celebration of the studio's 100th anniversary, we are thrilled to empower these talented filmmakers to create modern and diverse reimaginings of these iconic productions. Well, this sounds like film death. This sounds just absolutely awful. Congrats to Warner Brothers on destroying their classic IP in favor of woke garbage. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll be speaking with Balaj Orban. He's political director for Prime Minister Viktor Orban in Hungary. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.